There she is, Captain. Isn't she a beauty? Yes, she is, Mr. Scott. Is she ready to go? Aisa, she's ready to go to the stars. This is the 300th episode of the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. It's mission to seek out new ideas, find new games, and to boldly bring the awesome to your game. Mr. Scott, Warp 9. I Captain. And now, our host. This is Bruce. This is John. And this is Trav. Welcome to the TriTac Games Podcast. Your podcast when even if you don't have a game to play, you've got game. What? <laughs> <laughs> this week, uh, we are going to have another episode of Iron Fringeworthy. And we don't have bad lip syncing to go along with it, though. Well, you were supposed to do that. I, I thought you guys were going to jump in there. Anyways, guys, um, what we're doing is uh, this is our second time we're doing this. And I, as far as I can tell, we're following the same format, which is that each one of our hosts is going to be given three things to make a Fringeworthy episode about. And then we're going to go off the air, at least, you know, not for you, but for us, for 30 minutes and let us do our very best to come up with a decent start to an adventure. And then we'll come back and discuss the, each of our efforts and uh, perhaps suggesting better improvements. And then maybe this time everybody will, they finish their adventures mm -hmm. and bring them, uh, bring them back and we can post them on our website, on Facebook or wherever else we want to put them so that you guys can get the benefit of these free episodes. So, yep. and uh, you guys are always welcome to try to get in on this too, because you know, we, uh, we're glad to take your suggestions on uh, Iron Friends with the episodes. And, um, uh, and you can even come on as a guest host and see if you can play it with the big boys, design it with the guys who've been doing it for 35 years. So, anyways. Yeah, yeah and maybe you can challenge one of the Iron, Iron Fringe with the designers. There you go. Yeah. There you go. So, we put together our suggestions uh, online on Facebook. And, uh, John, you want to read those off for us? As I know you have that right hand. Oh, yes. I even made a list. Uh, so I submitted, uh, well, well this, let folks know, uh, the Iron Fringe Worthy, basically we're, we have three ingredients, a person, a place, and a thing. His person is Abraham Lincoln. His place, a haberdashery. And the thing, a Zippo lighter. Uh, hmm. Some people might not know what a haberdashery is. A hat shop. Actually, no, a haberdashery is more than just a hat shop because they also make hats. So a hat maker and seller. Sure. Seller, yeah. yeah. The, 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 the Zippo lighter, the, the various things. It sounds like he actually has access to a lot of folks who can make specialized things like a Zippo lighter. It looks like it's a 
Zippo. That's actually a blaster. It looks like a Zippo lighter. I bet it even functions like a lighter. Yeah, it does. Well, yeah, it's just it also has the the added feature. Yeah, yeah. If you just flip it open and shut, it acts like a lighter. But if you snap it open, then these iron sights pop out, and you can use it as a blaster. Yeah, and it's not a, it's not a, 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 a oil-based flame. It's actually probably a little plasma flame because that's in low mode. Uh. I actually figured it would be a, a, an actual normal petroleum-based flame because, I mean, it's a, it's a Zippo lighter for crying out loud. There's only so much you should do to a Zippo lighter. Well, yeah, and also, if he comes from elsewhere, how would that thing work if the battery gets drained, him coming through the portal? Well, by this point, he's established. I'm sure he recharged it. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, this guy would have a lot of tech here. Yeah. But it sounds like this guy has a kit. I mean, this person has a kit. And this may not be uh, – who's supplying him? Who supplied him with all this stuff? This sounds very much like a kit to hide like you're hiding someplace. It sounds like something that IDET would make for its own team. So, th- so there's someone else out there equipping people to go out there and do the exploiting. Who's, is he exploiting for, him, for himself or is he part of a consortium of some sort? Power center. Yeah. Basically, is there is there some? You know, it could be that he is a pirate, but they're working differently. They decide to sell down, and they decide we're going to set these worlds up, get them going, and start producing stuff for us. Right. Well, he's obviously got financial backing because if he if he didn't have financial backing, then he'd show up someplace probably further west where there was a gold where a gold mine hadn't been found yet or a silver mine hadn't been discovered or something, you know, someplace where they've got rubies or someplace that has something that he could relative, you know, hire some people, go out, start digging and start bringing in, you know, some, uh, some, some soil with color in it and start making some real money and then take that and use that to uh, support his take financial takeover. But instead it looks like he's got a certain amount of money uh, I mean, he certainly has some things that he knows is worth a lot of money, whether he can sell it or not, that all that stuff made of aluminum. Mm-hmm. Otherwise known as aluminum for people, because that was one of the original pronunciations of aluminum, uh, which was more valuable than gold because it required a very expensive process until they came up with a new process in the, ninth, in the 20th century that made it very cheap. To get aluminum. I wouldn't put past that somewhere in his shop he has uh, – basically, he just came here with, 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 with uh, slugs, you know, go, gold slugs, silver slugs, you know, and then just got some coins through some trades. And then he has a basically a, a, a coin stamper, an automated stamper, makes a mold from one of, these, from one of the coins he got and makes him – and he basically, he basically made his money. It's real money. It's just that it's – not minted by any real mint. It's something he minted in the back of his shop. Well, frankly, you know, I mean, if he really, since he's a haberdasher, which means he has access to acids, he has access to mercury and a lot of other chemicals that he'd be able to justify having, he could just counterfeit money. Oh, yeah, that too. Oh, yeah. If there's a 1819, paper money wasn't that prevalent then. It was still mostly coinage. Yeah, I was going to say, paper I don't know if it came out until much later because I know they have they, what do they call it the Civil War strip? 
Well, there was okay. There was fiat currency out there, but it was more more or less you know it'd be issued by, by from the Bank of Springfield. It'd be more locally uh, issued than it would be issued by the by the uh, government. Uh, oh. The fiat currency. But he could also take like lead slugs and he could uh, electroplate them with gold or silver and pass them as real money. Oh no, 1819, there, unless they broke open that coin, there'd be no way they would know. Right. So I'm yeah. just saying is that, you know, if he wants to be a counterfeiter, he's got yeah. all the equipment he needs in order to do that just by being a haberdasher. Except, yep. of course, the power source. But, I mean, I figured that that's not such a big deal to do that. He's got a little Mr. Fusion in the back. It sounds, if he's got a blaster, he's got Mr. Fusion someplace in the, on the shop. You know? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Or, he's, you know, he's got some – he's got a, a, a fuel cell. Yeah. That or a small nuclear reactor. But, you know. <laughs> you don't need all that. You mean all you really need is a fuel cell. It's not terribly big. And, and you, you got plant, and hydrogen is easy to come by. Yeah, and uh, well, you know, and all his windows are tinted. You know, it costs a bit. Actually, with the tints are, they're trying, they're solar cell, solar panels. Could be. Oh, yep. oh, there you go. <laughs> Transparent solar cells. Yeah, we have already got them now. We just developed them recently. So yeah, yeah, we're reading something about that about two months yeah. ago. Yeah, and anybody comes in and, compl- uh, and says, well, how come your windows are so dark? He says, well, it's because the, 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 the light damages, you know, the, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the bright colors of my, of, my, uh, of my hats and such. I don't want to be selling you faded hats, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure he could justify. But, yes, his, his, uh, his little shop is actually a little technological marvel. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, and and that's kind of cool too because you know I, just to find somebody who's already you know established on a world and all this all the gear and equipment protections and and little com- creature comforts that he's collected from a you know his own not a not a million million worlds but maybe at least a couple of dozen worlds that he's he might have gone to uh, or she has gone to and of course if they are from a consortium of explorers and uh, world conquerors then they would have even more access to stuff. Yeah. Actually, uh, one thing, Bruce, though, it's not a short train trip to uh, Chicago. It's a short boat trip. I'm looking at a map of 1819 of railroads. There are none in Illinois. Oh, really? I'm surprised. But okay, boat trip. All right. (laughs) 1819? 19, 1819. Yeah. Okay. All right, fair enough. Boat trip. Yep, boat trip. Yeah, down the Illinois. It makes you one of the tributaries down to the Illinois River. You, 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 a guy, you can either go up river to Chicago or down river to St. Louis. All right. Well, that's fine. I'll. I'll... St. St. Louis is closer. <laughs> okay. All right. So large market in St. Louis. Oh yeah, because even did you know even in eighteen nineteen that place was a nexus of trade. Everybody was there. Oh yeah, it was a jumping off place for the West. Yeah. Yeah, Chicago really didn't come into, into its own until it actually got rail lines to it. Okay, okay, fair enough. Well, I mean, you know, the Chicago, I mean, the whole thing with the uh, uh, later on with the the meat packing plants and such, and driving all the cattle up to uh, 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 up to Chicago in the stockyards. Yeah. Okay, so I changed it to a uh, uh, for sale in the large market in St. Louis, a short boat ride away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Question is, if they don't have a dock box, then there's going to be a medic. I mean, you know, he's going to pull out, you know, uh, at least modern gear 
to look check out uh, check out little Abe and see what, what's going on with him. You might be able to find even a pulse, set, dude. Even a stethoscope in 1819, I think, may have been advanced technology. Well, they had a hearing. They had these brass tubes they would put against someone's chest and listen to, but they weren't as good as like a blood pressure meter. And like and the, and and basically, if the guy's got got the equipment and he's been there long enough to char- recharge his batteries, he's got himself a little EKG machine. At least and lets him know the heart's beating. You know. Yeah, I, I'm sure this guy would have a lot of of you know because he has to provide his own first aid. You know. Yeah. Yep. And and any medic on a on a, on a fringe team, if he doesn't if he doesn't have uh, I didn't team doesn't have a. Uh, his own dock box. He, at least he's got modern gear, and he he makes sure his his fuel cells for his his kit is working, so he can, so he can put on the electrodes and find out the guy's if he's got a heartbeat or not. Yeah. You know? Last thing you want to do is last thing you want to do is bury Abe. Uh, at that point, <laughs> right? I came not to praise Abe, but to bury him. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what's all this fuss about this kid? I mean, he's a good kid and all. Not really, probably. You know, as, but it's, it was, no, he must live. He must. You have no idea. <laughs> it also sounds like he's not, he, well, he may not have other, you know, other friends really on, on this world. He may have his, he may have agents on this world. People he's paid money to, to basically operate on his behalf. Oh yeah, so, yeah. This guy. Oh no, this guy is going to have this haberdasher is going to have local cronies mm-hmm. to, if only to help fit in and work for him. And also, well, I wouldn't say mine the store. Let's say he has to go off world to get new supplies or whatever. Are you going to have someone trusted to Watch mine it. stuff while you're gone? Mm-hmm. I mean, you would want that. Yeah. Oh, he probably has an assistant. Yeah, because he would have to have somebody that knows something about these gadgets, and he can just lie it off and say, well, no, I got this from the East Coast. You know, it's the latest thing there in New York City, you know. He he, he could even say he's an alien from another planet. I mean, you know. Ooh. Uh, Let's see, eight, in 1819, they're getting away from tri-corner hats. They're getting away from a lot of the... Uh, uh, it's it's a changing of styles. You're starting to see more hats that we were we we kind of recognize as like Western hats. See, a, a, gr- a great need for a haberdashery. Yes. Yeah, it's I a mean, change. The, the, the culture is crying out for it. Yes. Yeah. He, it, 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 you know, this is called. I'm calling this a fedora. And I would say that this person really likes to do this. By the way, I mean, this could be like you know, kind of a. Even though they're there and and they're buying businesses and are doing stuff and and trying to promote this empire, you know, in their in their heart of hearts, they like making hats. Yeah, there it's just something he wanted to do, and he's figuring I can do all this, but I also get to make cool hats. Yeah, this is my cover that, that I like to do. Yeah. Well, they, when they yeah. say you have a job you like to do, it's not really work. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and also I'm thinking that uh, he could be a Johnny Appleseed. In a way that he, it's his way of pr- of promoting cultures, you know. I, I didn't. Okay, I didn't see it that way. I saw him as someone who's actually trying to get filthy rich. Also, it, it sounds like okay. He's a haberdasher. He it sounds like he also is introducing the the concept of of shell companies. 
So people think, yeah, he's just a haberdasher, not realizing not realizing that he actually through 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 various shells and various people he's paying, actually owns three quarters of the county right now. Yeah, he, he's he's a silent partner in a lot of businesses, if not direct, uh, at least through at least through a uh, willing accomplice. <laughs> Yeah, which which almost sounds like way on worlds on the worlds that Unita is unsure of. This is like uh, uh, getting a, a local to work with Unita to be well, as I said before, quizzling, basically you know provide information, provide uh, assistance to IDET teams that come on that pass on by, basically be a point of contact because the world's not ready yet for us to really fully contact, but we're going to contact a few people and, and basically give them enough money that they convince them to, you know, work for IDET. Well, I, I, I like the idea that this person, like I said, the way I said it, I mean, that they might be willing to help IDET for a price, might be willing to store IDET equipment for a price, but ultimately, you know, it has its own agenda. It's you know we're, I'm here to do this and yeah I'll I'll, uh, I'll keep your secrets safe you know you can store some gear in this shed I have built for you you know that only with a with a with a modern lock with chrome steel that only somebody you know who really who from a you know slightly older you know higher technological you know thing would be able to get in and out of and I'll take care of that for a price but you know I'm not your boy. Oh yeah, and it won't be for gold because gold for him is probably not important. I mean, other than you know purchasing things. No, for him it probably be things like yeah, you know. So I what I want is five tons of high carbon steel <laughs> and sheets, two millimeters thick. <laughs> I mean, whatever is whatever he needs currently in his business plans. You know, if he needs like you know some some you know let's say there's a he's having a he's having a problem uh, getting a certain part is is holding back on a whole a, a assembly line a whole thing he could say hey you guys have you know on demand you know uh, machineries okay I want I want you know a thousand gross of these things by t- by 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 next month. Otherwise, otherwise, uh, you take all your crap out of my barn. <laughs> Actually, thinking about that, his uh, that aluminum is off planet because, uh, yeah, you can make aluminum, but it, you know, unless unless you have a, mo- a modern uh, foundry for it, right? That was the point, John. Yeah, yeah, it, 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 it was one of the tells that he's off world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's got aluminum, aluminium. Yeah, he's got something worth more than worth more than gold. Yeah, in his in his shop, and he's using them, you know, for mundane reasons. And people think it's just you know badly made iron. Well, as he said, it's chrome steel. Chrome steel, yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's lighter because it's got chromium in it. Nobody knows. I mean, almost no one would know that was a huge lie, you know, because it's lighter than steel, but it also doesn't have like the hardness of steel, you know. And, and it looks pretty. It's funny though because you know chrome steel was the was what was supposedly made this the uh, the shackles so strong for King Kong in the original 1920 movie. Ah, yeah. He says, "Don't worry, those bars are made of chrome steel," and he goes. Eek. Also, the, the folks say, "Yeah, he also uses a lot of a lot of horn, 
What do you mean horn? Yeah, a lot of things are made out of this. You know, it's really soft. It ain't wood. It ain't. It ain't. It ain't, it ain't uh, plaster. It's sort of like wax, but it's much harder. That eat plastic. Yeah. <laughs> he put resin or resin. Yeah, one or the other. He's basically he's got a lot of. You know, I imagine that he has. When you walk in there, to us, you know, we just spot the the normal anac- an- anachronistics and anachronistic uh, items. But someone from out from in the city, the whole shop's out of time. Anachronistic. All the styles are like forty years ahead of time. Uh, okay, see now, John, you're you're going and doing a stream again. Okay, you don't need to do that. He he's going to lead fashion because he knows how history went. So he's going to have when, whenever the new thing comes on over in the streets of New York City or whatever, he's already got it in his shop. So all the ladies are willing to pay through the nose. He can go and take take that stuff down and sell them in St. Louis, and they're like, "We just heard about this, and you've already got." It. He says, "Well, it's you know," he, he says, "You know, great minds think alike." You know, why would he? Why would he try to make himself look different? You're right. Yeah. He, if anything, it's just probably a little too polished. It look it probably matches the style you expect to see in a shop like that. But it's probably – he sounds like these kind of people who, you know, it's a little too perfect. But other than that, you know, it, it's it's more – it's probably more of a set than uh, than a shop. You know what I'm saying? It's like, like someone sat down and said, I want a, a shop from the 1819s. And he's got a shop from the 1819s, but it's more Hollywood set, set piece than a, real, uh, than a proper shot. shop, even though everything there is, you know – was supposed to be the drawers, everything, the big shelves along the walls. I mean, I've seen. Uh, 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 unfortunately, no pictures because pictures aren't aren't for a few more years. But seen paintings of shops like that, and yeah, the style is shelves all up and down the walls. You need ladders to go up and down to get stuff. Well, yeah. Uh, the question is, would the team recognize that? Probably not. It yeah. would have to be. You you would have to have somebody who was either just an incredible historian mm-hmm. or somebody who is good with fabrications, things made to look like, you know, a fake, maybe somebody with a criminal background may be going, you know, that just, this just doesn't look right. Something is shady here and he might be able to pick up on that. I mean, it would, yeah. other than that, it would have to be somebody who is just an in-depth historian and would just pick yeah. up on yeah, I, I saw this guy as basically a historical economist, someone who understood some basic things that revolutionized businesses and has enough money to be able to do it, who has a side interest in, you know, haberdashery and, uh, and maybe, um, you know, uh, even fashion. And so he said, well, I'll, I'll use that as my front, as my business you know, and the things to do when I, you know, to keep me not being terribly bored, and you know, as I go about my real business of, you know, becoming a, a, a multi-billionaire in a time when multi-multi-millionaires were considered to be really, really rich. Yeah, he's basically he's planning to be a robber, uh, basically a robber baron before robber barons were a thing. Yeah, I, I don't like the sound of that, but okay. I don't know. I don't know how resolute. You know, I mean, how how uh, you know vicious this guy's willing to be. That's how the the GM gets to decide that. But mostly, he he doesn't want anybody else coming onto this world and trying to exploit it because this is his patch. 
He, you know, he basically has got dibs. First come, first serve. Yeah. Yeah, he's trying to be a Carnegie. He's trying to be one of the one of the rich, one of the, the industrialists of the uh, of the late 18th century. Which you know, they, some of them became good people in their later lives, but they were really, really ruthless in how they did their business. Yeah, there aren't a lot of laws right now. Okay, in the eight, in eighteen twenty, so you know OSHA. <laughs> that's that that's that thing you know with water in it, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, and ju- and folks, if you do uh, on uh, Pinterest, there's actually a a, a Pinterest page about eighteen nineteen uh, um, um, fashion, and you can see a lot of things eighteen twenties and so forth. You can see a lot of things, and yes, there's still tri corner hats here and there, but a lot of uh, uh, oh yes, of course, beaver hats are still probably still in vogue. Beaver skin top hats are probably still in vogue, uh, along with uh, along with uh, all sorts of. Uh, Lordy, lordy. Uh, other forms of uh, hat, hat wear and so forth that you can probably expect to see. It's, it's all men's stuff. Women's wear. Actually, I imagine men's, men's hats are nothing compared with the women's hats look like. No, the women's hats were very exciting. Very, very, very big and, and with all kinds of, of, of parts to it. So, yeah. Well, there, there's a clue. There's a clue he's been here then. Yeah, you come in town, you see, you see a, but you know, this would I would call I would call this a notice roll. Oh, make a notice roll. Oh, okay. Oh, you made it. Um, all the women here are wearing hats. Like, I mean, this is Illinois. This is what's it? Springfield? Yeah. Or, no, it's it's Pigeon. Uh, little Pigeon Creek or whatever. Little Pigeon Creek. Yeah. Uh, Abe Lincoln lived about two miles away. And all, these, and all these women are wearing swanky hats here in Little Pigeon Creek, Illinois. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're t- we're talking hats that probably be more appropriate in uh, Paris than right. Pigeon Creek. Yeah, <laughs> yeah or New York, or um, uh, or even more, even more likely uh, down in New Orleans. Oh yeah, yeah New Orleans. Yeah, Nola. Yep. Yeah, just that would ping. It's like you're looking at, wait a minute, these women are all dressed in finery, oh. and they're out here in Podunk, Illinois. Problem. Yeah. Now, now here's the thing. Okay, they succeed in in, in uh, resuscitating little Abe. What does he think about that? They brought him back to life. He was dead. Everyone told him, you were dead, and these people came along, and they brought you back. Um, I... I <laughs> The, uh, how, old, how old was he in 1819? <laughs> Ten. Yeah, he, they got a short round wandering around with them now. <laughs> Maybe. After all, I mean, wouldn't be surprised. He's, I mean, they, no one thought much of him, but obviously he was a smart guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he, he wasn't considered to be like, you know, really you know, uh, amazing as a teenager, as a, as a boy. He just, he just was very, you know, obviously very self-motivated. One heck of a, one heck of a growth spurt. Yeah. <laughs> what was he, six-something, I think? He was one of the taller oh, no, presidents. Yeah, he was a tall glass of water. He, he was at least 6'3". Yeah. Well, was that 6'9", six, six, by virtue of his six-inch tall head? But at 10 years old, he wouldn't have had it yet. Well, no, he yeah. was... 
Other than being just kind of tall for his age. Heard he was still kind of gangly even back as a kid. Yeah, I'd yeah. say he's 10 years old. I mean, 10 year old kids, the boys normally don't get their growth spurt till they're 12 to 13. So he'd be, might be this skinny, gangly kid who might be a little taller than the other boys around him, but not markedly so. But then the growth get where he gains like a foot in a year kind of thing happens. Yeah. yeah. And now he's got these guys who saved his life, and he he wants to help repay pay it back. I mean, this is something that he might might consider. What can I do to help you, Mister? I mean, I can carry your bags for you. I can help you out. <laughs> he may become a little pest as as well. All depends on how much his mom and dad need him back at the farm. Yeah, that's true. Well, you know, they rescued his son. I mean, at the very least, they're getting a chicken dinner out of this. Oh, I'm sure they would invite. I'm sure everybody would be invited back to the Lincoln household. Sure, sure. You know. I'm trying to remember. Was it? Because that was basically, that was literally a log cabin, wasn't it? Yes. A lot of the, a lot of the structures were, yeah. Yeah, I can just ima- you know, imagine being brought in and everyone realizing, okay, they're they're feeding us. They're feeding, you know, if there's your standard team of six people, this is they probably went out and killed at least two or maybe three of their chickens for this dinner. No one complain about it, okay? <laughs> Everything is going to be delicious. Why would anybody complain about fresh roasted chicken? Uh, we're not talking. About, it is delicious. We're not talking about an all American team here. We're talking. You know, if you, if you, this may be a mixed team. You may have some going. Uh, um, I cannot eat the chicken. <laughs> it's against my religion. <laughs> well, okay. You can always eat that ground uh, corn that, that that hopefully got ground at some point that he threw into the grist mill. Yeah. But the thing, you know, it's uh, it's actually one of those little things. I, 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 I know I'm tangenting, sorry, but you know, this is where I've seen these uh, shows where they send these uh, poor little rich kids to places where their clothes are made, and and these people made made them dinner, and they're going, I can't eat that. And the thing is, they're this is like they've given up at least two meals to make this dinner for you. You're going to eat it and like it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I don't think that the Lincolns were starving. No, I don't. So I mean, you know, they, these, you know, they there weren't, you know, I'm not. I'm saying they weren't like you know the the rich kids, you know, the the rich family, but at the same time, they they weren't dirt poor. I think I think John, I think Bruce John's going more along the lines of they may not want the chicken dinner just because it is an all American team. I I don't think it's. The, I get that. I'm just saying, though, is that by this time, I think they would have dealt with this whole issue of how do you fit in with the locals. It just it just seems like something that like this, the, the, unless you wanted this, literally be the first adventure that a team went on. You know, in which case, yeah, they might very well run into that whole thing. The uh, I I can at least imagine the uh, yeah. Um, well, it, it, actually, most people eat ch- unless you're vegetarian. Most people eat chicken dinner. Right. But what you are going to run into is the fact that nothing is going to taste right, okay? Because it's uh, you know we Americans and other people eat a lot of food that's gone through a lot of changes over the years, a lot of processing. This is all going to be you know the corn's not going to taste like the sweet corn that comes out of the out of the green giant can, okay? And and the bread's going to taste might have some. Uh, some some bits in it that maybe they might not be expecting, and th- that butter is going to be butter that's been churned from a cow that's been eating all kinds of things. 
Yeah, right. You're not going to be getting your pasteurized milk. You're not going to be getting, you know, things that have been processed. This is straight out of the animal, like, maybe that day. Yeah. And if it's cheese, a couple of days. Things are going to be different. Most 21st century people are going to be like, this don't taste right. Shut up and eat it. It don't taste <laughs> yeah, at the very least, the chicken will hang for a couple hours before they actually pluck it because it makes it a little easier to pluck it if it decays a little bit beforehand. Well, you also you get the, the blood out of it, and that makes the inside shrink and the skin gets looser. Yeah, that too. So, yeah, it's so the chicken may be a little gamier, but it will be a, it probably have a lot more internal fat in it. So, it's going to be chicken of old, not chicken of not these current chickens we have right now. These would be more close to the pheasants than the current yeah. breed of chickens you get in the store. Yeah, yeah, like you said, a lot <laughs> gamier. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, I mean, and if they serve pork, it's going to be pork with marbling in it. Mmm. <laughs> That's right, and they're they're probably going to take fat back and smear it on their on, on other things. You know, everything everything's going to be cooked in bacon in bacon rind and all that stuff. Yeah, and the biscuits will definitely be made with lard. And, the, and yeah, the biscuit the biscuits will definitely be made with lard. All right, so let's move on to you, John. Okay, what I got? Oh, I got a little I got a little story. Right? Okay, so. <clears throat> The year is 1924, and the preeminent architect of the era, Frank Lloyd Wright, has convinced the owners of the Mammoth Caves in Kentucky, uh, the, uh, Krogan, the, the uh, Krogan family, to let him design a state-of-art visitor center that would be a showcase for, to the cave system. However, not all, not all is well at the work site. Wright's design goes deep in, into the cave, and the work conditions are horrible. And Wright is experimenting with a new kind of cement made from the local limestone, trying to match the color of the natural caves. Into this comes Floyd Collins, a comparator of the Krogan family. He has started his own competing set of caves, the Crystal Caves, and just discovered that it connects to the Mammoth Caves. A little industrial action, and it may come down to a shooting war between the two owners. Into this is thrust the, the IDIT team. Uh, based on an old story told to him by a fringe worker and an old man, they think there may be a either a uh, Commonwealth or Tremellan base in the cave system. But th- with security as tight as it is, due to Colin, uh, they re- really don't have a good way to get in. That is, until Wright orders the delivery of, of a reproduction Spanish mission church bell. It's to be delivered by another company, one the team could intercept and deliver, getting a chance to enter the caves. So, exploring the caves uh, is going to be difficult, even for experienced spelunkers. Getting lost is a real possibility, and getting trapped in one is and getting trapped a more likely one. To make things more difficult, if they did intercept the bell shipment, Wright finds out and sends his workmen after them. At the same time, Collins brings another accident. With a real threat of being crushed alive or beaten to within an inch of their lives, they will have to find a way not to have either event happen, at least to them. Uh, some possible events they could run into, confronting the real shippers and getting a hold of the bell, so that's one thing. Uh, trying to bluff their way past Wright and his workers, if they don't grab the bell. Uh, convince Collins to let them use his caves as a way into the Mammoth Caves. Uh, once you're inside, a collapsed passageway blocks your escape, and you know things such as 
really hard climbs like up chimneys and so forth before they get to the uh, to their goal, hopefully. Is there a facility in the cave? Yes, but it's not intact and hasn't been used for a couple thousand years. What is it for? It was a Commonwealth command post during the war. <clears throat> Excuse me. But with the damage caused by the limestone um, dripping into it, makes it hard to determine what it was used for and why it was put in the mountains of Kentucky. And as far as I got before we stopped. Yeah, there's over 420 miles of passageways in Mammoth Caves. And uh, uh, the, the, the tours only go within like 10 miles of it. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, most of it's considered wild caves. Yeah, I mean, I was reading about Floyd. He died in, he, he died exploring the cave system. He got himself trapped in the sand cave, and he basically died of starvation. Actually, he died of, no, died of starvation because he actually had plenty of water to drink. So he died of starvation, <laughs> uh, which is an. <laughs> yeah, there, there was a, a lot of, um, um, I've been the man the caves, which is why I suggested it. And yeah, it, the, uh, the guy you said was, uh, uh, he actually went along passageways until he actually came across a passageway that showed signs of people going through it. And that's when he knew that he'd actually moved into the territory that was Mammoth Caves. So they actually, the, the two cave systems was really one cave system and his, his property uh, and, and was conjoined with theirs. So it was... Uh, uh, that uh, the 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 man of the cave was originally called uh, that came later. It's originally called like Green Cave and Horse Cave, and this was before they were using it. Uh, I believe for the production of uh, of saltpeter, wasn't it? Hmm. I mean, it was 1925, right? Uh, 24, yeah. Oh yeah, so this is way later. Okay. Yeah, during the 1800s, you're right. During the 1800s, it was used mostly. You're right for things like. You know, what they could pull all of it rather than have people go in and take a look around. Well, there's a massive entranceway to Mammoth Caves, uh, the lower entrance, and you know they there was they they literally mined that area for the saltpeter, uh, but that that ended fairly, I think, pretty early in the 1900s. And I picked and I picked 1924 because I went two more years down the way, that's when it was made a national, at least a national monument. So I want to pick a time where it's still owned by a private, by the, by the family, so that the, 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 because there would be no way in heck they let Frank Lloyd write near a uh, national monument. But the family might. <laughs> so I, you know, let's be honest, Frank Lloyd Wright was known to make a lot of wonderful buildings and also make places that you go you look at and go, so, what was Frank Lloyd smoking again when he made this building? Yeah, he, he's got a lot of structures that are have a lot of impractical aspects to them. They're very artsy, you know, and uh, which would be great for a visitor center, but not, you know, not it wouldn't be a place that most people would want to conduct business out of, or or certainly wouldn't want to live in. Except, I mean, I've been to Falling Water, and it's a it's a lovely house, but it is, you know. Very strangely shaped. They've got you know basically a river that runs through the house and falls, makes natural waterfalls through the various floors of the building itself. And a lot of glass sides and stuff. I think I read someplace they actually it's actually now owned by a owned by a company or or someone. So it's actually no longer owned by the family that had it originally. It's been sold. Oh, that's not surprised. He, he was a, he he created it for somebody else. He didn't own the house. He was the the architect. 
I mean, there's that the Mayan inspired house there in Los Angeles. The they use that one in in the um, the Rocket uh, was it Rocket Man? Not Rocket Man. The Rocketeer. Rocketeer, yes, Rocketeer with the Mayan motif, and also in Blade Runner, same house, just you know, <laughs> lighting and a lot of things. But yeah, yeah. So yes, yeah, yeah, as you can tell, he's actually building it. He's building into the cave. So basically, he's not just into the mouth. He's going deep into the cave, building all the various things, and he's putting the Frank Lloyd Wright touch to everything. You know, at this point, he's making a proper visitor center, proper, you know, he's probably building the pathways so that they look like they're made out of the walls rather than out of concrete. You know what I'm saying? He, he's putting the, putting the Frank Lloyd touch to it, you know. So, I mean, like I said, there's 430 miles of passageway. So they're, you know, I mean, yeah. would they come would they come with a modern map of the uh Probably. Of the actual system? So I just I'm just wondering if at some point they would have to like mine their way into a new section. Probably. I mean, they've they they've gotten a vague idea where it is from the from both the fringe walker and the old man. Uh the the old man basically I would say I would flesh this out I would say the old man more or less said, "Oh, I was I was there." I can't draw you a map. I can tell you where, you know, it was, you know, X number of, of miles into the cave system. Well, it depends on which entrance you use as to how far it is in the cave system. But yeah. and, and he's remembering it from 2000 years ago. <laughs> well, it wouldn't change much, John. It is a cave system. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, the mouth that he's using may have actually collapsed. or where, where, Basically, I'm thinking if it's that deep in the cave system, they're not going to the, to the entrance they used in Mammoth Cave. It's probably someplace else, but that mouth may have actually collapsed. Well, there's a number of levels to Mammoth Caves. And one of the levels, the fifth level down, it actually floods. Yeah. And so depending upon what time of the year it is, you know, there's like, we, we can't take a tour down there right now because there's filled over the water. And it may be that, you know, it's at that level, and that's one of the, once the Tamelaran system shut down, then the area flooded, which destroyed anything that might, in the long term, might have been valuable. Uh, but uh, that would make it also even more uh, of an issue of, like, you know, if, if it was raining, you know, something that would change the water levels, we could add a lot of um, drama. Scuba gear. <laughs> To get to it, it may, yeah. It just depends on the, on the on the clarity of the water and all. Yeah. Also, it may be that it's actually not in the flooded levels, but to get to it, you have to go through the flooded levels. So it may be uh, you're at wrong time of year, and you're dealing with you know, rights persnickety uh, water pumps trying to pump the water out, and it's like you know, yeah, yeah. It's like using a sho- you know sh- using a shovel to uh, stop an avalanche. Yeah, at that point. Um, hmm. But yeah, I mean, it basically it, the 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 danger, real danger here is actually from the people. You know, you got you know this is the eighteen twenties. These guys, 1920s. yeah, nineteen twenties, and people don't think twice about you know cracking heads. Yeah, uh, at that point. Yeah. Well, it's after World War. It's 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 during the Great Depression. Yeah, no, it's before. No, it's before the Depression. The Great Depression was nineteen twenty nine. Yes, but it's actually during it's actually during the period of prosperity, you know, the bubble but economy. It's, 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 so it's post uh, World War One, but before yes. the Great Depression. Yes, the the, the Roaring Twenties. So yeah, you can uh, imagine. Uh, you know, Prohibition was the just the big thing then. So, 
And they had all kinds of crazy stuff that happened, you know, in those caves. I mean, and, and they, they had weddings down there. They had all kinds of just, you know, stuff that people would do because, you know, they, they convinced the owners to let them do it. That's true. And with, with, right, with them trying to turn this into a going concern, you know, come into the caves and see all this stuff, not realizing that stalactite you're looking at is actually made out of concrete that Wright made. You know, he, you know, he, he said, that's a, great, that's a great stalactite. It's in the wrong place. Let's move it. I wouldn't put it past him. I mean, he's one of those kind of people, you know. He's an architect. You know, he doesn't, you know, he, and they would he doesn't be a- understand conservation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And that, and that was a big issue. That's one of the reasons why it was made into a national park, you know, was because, was because they wanted to conserve it, you know, because they found some really amazing things in there and in the, in the hands of just, you know, private citizens, uh, they could, you know, people could do whatever they wanted to those, those features and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Because I remember a similar cave system in Colorado Springs, uh, Cave of the Winds. It isn't as big, but they had a, a, a public section. And they had a section saying, if now you want to learn about caving, bring along a pair of pants, a shirt, and a jacket you don't care about. That's right. <laughs> Wear boots that you don't care about, but you can probably clean anyway afterwards. Because it's about two feet of mud. <laughs> uh yeah, if you're lucky, it's mud. If you're not lucky, it's clay. And if you're really unlucky, it's guano, saltpeter. Yes, <laughs> or, or saltpeter and fresh guano, both of that same. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, just mix it up. Just what? Yeah, it's what, it's what you find if you go to the uh, alt uh, to the alt zero two, uh, the uh, Rebellion Earth uh, place. The entrance goes out through a cave system that's full of well guano. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't see a whole lot of conflict unless the GM makes it, uh, and, and that's okay. No, I mean it's it's fine. It's, they have to. It doesn't have to be a a a, 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 a month long adventure. I mean, just something simple, just having to deal with the people, you know, see this strange thing that's going on. I mean, there's a whole question of you know. Uh, when you have alternate Earths, it really does raise the whole question of it. Does it really matter if we let them destroy this one because there's like a hundred more or a thousand more? So I, I really wonder about that whole concept. Yeah, it's also it's a real it's a real question about because the real treasure here is not the caves themselves. It's the old Commonwealth base that you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There may be slack tracks, growing out of the out of the out of the panels. There's still stuff in there you you want to get out. I mean, you, 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 if you're really lucky, you might find some crystal crystal keys. Yeah, stashed someplace. Right, at least a couple orange ones. Yeah, might find, yeah. Oh, that's right. Might find some keys. Yep, might find might find something hibernating that uh, actually has uh, some useful functions. Mm-hmm. Might find the old defense system because this is a command post, which. Which does, says, okay, command post for what? Which sort of opens up to maybe another f- further campaign. If you can get the system working, you can find out maybe this is a command post. This was a uh, a staging base two thousand years ago. You know, if you listen to the Indian stories from the lo- local uh, uh, Native Americans, you'll have stories of 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 odd men. 
doing things and then disappearing and leaving here. This may have been a staging point for one. Well, the big system was operational for one of the uh, for one of the Commonwealth nation Commonwealth worlds to attack other places. Right. Well, not just that. If they were using something like the equivalent of Tesla dynamos, then all of a sudden all the trees start sparking off ball lightning you mm. know, for no reason. It's because someone decided to turn on some equipment at the uh, command post deep underground and it transmitted all that through the ground. Yeah. And there may be other places on this road. This may not be the only command post. I mean, it's a command post, which means that there are sub, there are, um, um, other other bases out there, is, uh, you know, for we know that this is one of several to, to find in this world. Yeah, if they're using something like super long uh, frequency uh, um, communications, uh, which which is literally designed to go through the ground. Uh, this may be a, a repeater, basically something that coordinates the efforts all over the world with a lot, you know, with hidden. I mean, if these people came in and actually found something useful, they might actually turn it on and they might activate and, you know, as they said in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, an ancient defense system that ticks away the millennia and occasionally takes the pot shot. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. If they can figure out how to make it, if they get functional. The trouble is, like I said, you know, the limestone is, it's been here for 2,000 years. The limestone's gotten into the build inside the various places. Uh, there's places where, yeah, the circuitry might work if you don't mind having extra silicon on your circuits. It's, it's not silicon. Oh, you're right. Calcium, car- calcium carbonate, ah. yes. Mm-hmm. I knew that. <laughs> yeah, so it's actually, it's actually it's a jumping off point for maybe a larger, larger, larger game on this world. Trying to track these places down. Yes, we turned it on. Well, it, it it turned on for all five minutes, and that's when we realized, oh, we shouldn't have done that. And now we gotta find the six other places out there and shut them down. Right. I mean, you maybe you figure out how to fix it and turn it on, and then you realize that that was a bad idea. Yeah, it it was on just long enough on just long enough to activate the system. Oh, back on duty. Yes, sir. Yes, my name is Beejer Nomad. Beejer Nomad. <laughs> All right, well, that sounds interesting. Thanks, John. All right, so we have three adventures that we now need to flesh out and bring, put on our website so you guys can play them. And we hope you like this. We hope to, uh, uh, that you like the sound of these adventures. And, of course, this is something that we're planning on revisiting time and again. So if there's a kind of adventure you'd like us to, to write during one of these iron fringeworthy type things, you know, we're just using this random three-item thing to go and, and generate uh, the ideas. But if you guys have some adventures that you wish we had ever written, uh, that you that you wish to have in your fringeworthy game, then please put them up on our Facebook pages and uh, on, on our Google Plus sites and uh, and also our Podbean site. Uh, any place that you can find us, you know, post a message to us, and we'll seriously consider it. Uh, and um, and we'll even help you develop it yourself if that's what you really want to do. Don't forget the forums, which we which we have as well. Yeah, the the fringe the the TriTech forums. Is it TriTech? Is it still TriTechGamers.com? 
And yeah, having said that, tritechgames.com slash TTG slash index.php. We might want to put that. We might want to put that URL on the various pages. Just, yeah, just go to tritaggames.com and there'll be a link. Yes. yes. <laughs> but, but folks, this Iron Fringeworthy experiment now, this is our second one, it shows that game that's that venture design need not be an extravagant thing. If you just come up with a few things, we each came up with these adventures in about 25 minutes time. And they're probably all written on like a sheet of notebook paper. It's very easy for a game master to come up with a quick adventure, like a one-shot or a two-shot. If you have to do something all of a sudden, let's say a few players are missing from your game and you still need an adventure. These Iron Fringe-worthy segments we're doing shows just how easy it is to come up with something like that with three often very disparate plot points. Right. When you're working with a game property which is so rich, that has so many possibilities in it, it's really not that hard to find something that will fit even the most disparate of objects like we were just given. Yeah. I mean, this is actually not the first time I've done the Iron Fringe, really. Uh, we, on the old... Uh, Yahoo, it's the second time. Uh, it's, actually the, it's actually the fourth time I've done... Fifth time, because we did this... I used to do this on the, on the Yahoo for, on the Yahoo group. Oh, okay. Generate stuff. I remember that. Yeah, me and James. You know. Okay. Yeah, we would come up with. Oh, I remember you mentioned it before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. It. Basically, we we came we would come up three. No, the thing is, when that one it was more 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 like the uh, Iron Chef challenge, as we had the same three items, and came up with different uh, things. Oh, uh, uh. well, even then, that could still be interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, let's see. Maybe in the future, we'll do. We'll just we'll we'll come up with some items. And we all develop our own adventures off those exact same items, and we'll see how they come out. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks, uh, guys, for participating in this, and thanks everybody for listening. And we hope to, you know, this this is going to go into our queue, and you'll get it when uh, sometime in uh, either late, uh, even before the start of the year, or possibly even in 2017. But it will definitely be. In our in uh, in our uh, uh, or is it will be our seventh year or our sixth year? Season seven, as of October twentieth. 20- season seven. So we well, this is going to be in season seven, and we hope to see you there. And we'll have more for you next week. But until then, this is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players. This is Richard Tahoka. Wait till you see what's coming next. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at TriTech Games. And if you don't, we'll be after your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers.
Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org, colon 8027.